The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time on the morning, Sunday morning on Riviera Radio, where we have a talk with Rob Kay. How are you doing this morning, Rob? I'm very well, Howard, thank you. Yeah, yourself? I am. Thank you very much. It's got a lot hotter, hasn't it, all of a sudden? It certainly has, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure many of our listeners are experienced investors, but judging from the questions posed to the questions portal, some are relatively new to it, perhaps after selling property, business, or receiving an inheritance, and unsure how to invest these proceeds. So this week, could we go back to those basics, look at the differences between investment assets, explain some jargon, discuss what's available, and what's suitable for our listeners? Big topic today. But before we dig into that, what caught your eye in the news this past week? Well, Howard, the uh, the week began with uh, with a newly reinstalled president of France, Emmanuel Macron, announcing his uh, his new prime minister. Elizabeth Bourne has become the France's second female prime minister. She she took up her a new position immediately, and her first task was ha- to handle the cabinet reshuffle. Ms. Bourne put forward candidates for various ministerial positions for President Macron to sign off on, or not, as the case may be. Once her team are appointed, her main role will then be to manage her government. Her ministers and junior ministers run the country and the different offices and ministries. But confusingly, well, I've always thought it quite confusing, this is not the same as the Parliament, which refers to the National Assembly and the Senate. Those two houses are made up of elected MPs and senators, which the French nation will vote on early next month. Ms Bourne is also in charge of ensuring there are no contradictory policy decisions, and if there are disagreements between her ministers, she acts as an arbiter. She's also taken charge of the national defence, and she'll direct the country's defence policy, assisted by the Secretary-General of Defence and National Security. It's also their job to communicate the decisions of President Macron and ensure inter-ministerial cooperation regarding the demands of national defence. Also last week, the Central French Tax Authority, the DGFIP, announced that because some people had received their 2022 tax declaration forms for 2021 income significantly late, the deadline for submitting paper declarations has been extended from last Thursday to the end of the month, the 31st of May. I should point out, however, that the deadline for online declarations has not been changed. Now, Tuesday evening saw the opening ceremony of the 75th Cannes Film Festival. Never event to shy away from current issues, the film festival has often been a forum for highlighting divisions, social differences and for denouncing certain acts. Unsurprisingly, this year was no different. The opening ceremony was actually addressed by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Zelensky is a former actor and he was giving a standard ovation by the entire quartet for his speech which projected onto a high-definition screen at the Palida Festival. Zelensky used Charlie Chaplin's film, The Dictator, to highlight his country's plight, explaining the film did not destroy the real dictator, but it was the voice of the future victory of freedom, and cinema remains a way to denounce the brutality of history. He also referred to the situation of his people, still entrenched in occupied territories, saying humanity has made... Wonderful, many, many wonderful films. You can conceive it by beauty, but not by the ugliness of life in air raid shelters. It was a powerful, powerful speech, which combined his love for the seventh art with the urgency of the situation in his country. 
closer to home here in Monaco. Final preparations are now being made as we build up to next Sunday's 79th Monaco Grand Prix. As usual, on Tuesday, the current F1 grid will be joined by a host of sporting stars for the World Stars football match. The match will take place at the Stade Louis Dirt between AS Star Team, captained by Prince Albert II, and the F1 Drivers Team. The funds raised by the event will go towards helping children in need all over the world. The event is free to attend for under-14s, provided they are accompanied by an adult. Tickets range from €12 to €15, and they can be purchased at the Sad Louis Der Ticket Office. If you're free on Tuesday evening, the event is a great opportunity to watch the stars of football and Formula 1 come together, and it also helps to raise a little money for a very, very worthwhile charitable cause. Thanks for that. So, Rob, investment basics. Are shares and equities the same thing? And how do they differ from bonds? <laughs> yeah, a good starting point, Howard. Um, stock, shares and equities are terms used to describe units of ownership in a company. The owner is known as a shareholder and they receive dividend payments as well as voting rights if the company grants them. The terms are often used interchangeably, but there are some technical differences between stocks, shares and equities that frequently cause confusion. Stocks is a term generally used to refer to portions of ownership of multiple companies. For example, you could say that you own stock in Amazon and Apple. The term shares is usually referred to the units of ownership in a specific company. For example, you could say you own 10 Amazon shares. Equity is the term for a total ownership stake in the company. For example, if a company had 10,000 shares and you owned 1,000 of them, you could say that you held a 10% equity stake in that company. Stock shares and equities work by giving direct exposure to a company's performance. Shares will rise in value when the company is doing well and they'll fall in value when the company is doing poorly. So when you purchase a stock, you're buying an actual share in the company, which makes you a partial owner and why stock is often referred to as equity. Bonds, on the other hand, are debt, which when an equity issues, uh, when an entity issues a bond, it's issuing debt with the promise to pay interest for the use of your money. A government company or another entity that needs to raise cash can borrow money on the public market. It then pays interest to those investors who have lent them the money. Each bond is known as uh, having a par value and the bond issue will pay interest to the investors. That's referred to as a coupon. So a €10,000 bond with a 4% coupon would pay €4,000 per annum to the investor until the bond matures. After it matures, the investor is returned the full amount of their original principal. It rarely happens, but if for some reason the, in the issuer is not able to make the final repayment, that bond will default. There must be thousands of equities and bonds to invest in. How do we choose between them? Well, individual stocks and, and stock markets are, are at the riskier end of, of the investment spectrum in terms of volatility and the potential for investors to lose money in the short term. However, they also tend to provide better longer-term returns. Stocks are favoured by those with a longer-term investment horizon and a tolerance for shorter-term risk. On the other hand, bonds tend to lack the powerful long-term returns potential of stocks but they are preferred by investors who want to increase their income. Bonds tend to be less risky than stocks, while their prices fluctuate sometimes quite substantially in the case of higher risk markets. The vast majority of bonds tend to pay back the original amount invested at maturity, 
and there is much less risk of losing as there is with stocks. Most investors invest in a combination of stocks and bonds to diversify their risk. Deciding on the appropriate mix of stocks and bonds in your portfolio must be a function of your time horizon, your tolerance for risk and your investment objectives. Typically, stocks and bonds don't fluctuate at the same time, which is why most of us use professional investment managers who are seasoned in building portfolios that are appropriate for our individual financial goals. As we've seen recently, seeing stock prices fall quickly can cause people to panic, especially if they need that money soon. Investors who have more time, or importantly, an appropriate strategy, can benefit in a weaker market. We all have our own individual financial goals, which must be kept in mind when we choose what investments we invest in. What are real assets, and how do we invest in them? Yeah, as the name suggests, real assets are physical assets that have an intrinsic worth due to their substance and properties. Real assets include precious metals, commodities, real estate, land, equipment and natural resources. They're appropriate for inclusion in most diversified portfolios because of their relatively low correlation with financial assets such as stocks and bonds. Although they're they're usually lumped together as tangible assets, real assets are separate and distinct assets from uh, from financial assets. Unlike real assets, which have, have an intrinsic value, financial assets derive their value from a contractual claim on the underlying asset that may be real or in most cases is intangible. Real assets tend to be more stable than financial assets. Inflation, currency movements and other microeconomic factors affect real assets less than they do financial assets. Real assets are particularly well suited for investments during inflationary times because of their tendency to outperform financial assets during such periods. As you would expect, there is a mind-boggling range of options to access real assets. To access a diversified portfolio of real assets, there are various specific real real asset funds which offer a simple way to access this unique asset class. Alternatively, you can be a little bit more specific and invest in global real estate or global infrastructure funds. Lots of investors are attracted by real estate, but do we have to buy actual properties or are there real estate funds? Yeah, by default, we, we all invest in real estate when we buy our homes. I've uh, personally always erred on the side of caution with this one, and I consider my home to be my home, not primarily an investment. If I one day sell that property and I realise a profit, well, that's then going to be a bonus. Now, if you want to invest in property as an asset class, but you don't necessarily want the hassle of owning, managing, and running an investment property or a portfolio of investment properties, you can invest via a REIT or a real estate fund. While you can either use either to diversify your investment portfolio, there are several key differences. A real estate investment trust, more commonly known as a REIT, is a company that owns, operates or finances income-generating real estate that is traded like a stock. A real estate fund is a financial structure which pools money collected from lots of investors and invests directly in securities offered by public real estate companies, which can include REITs. REITs pay out regular dividends, while real estate funds provide value through the appreciation of the real estate holdings. REITs must pay out much of their profit to shareholders through dividends, which makes them a good source of income as opposed to capital gains, such as they are more appropriate for investors who are looking for income, 
long-term investors seeking appreciation who want exposure to real estate may want to instead consider real estate funds. That said, flexibility is an important consideration. And as we've seen over the past few years, because of the liquid nature of real estate funds, if you need your capital, you might not be able to get your hands on it at the point you need it. As a REIT, um, or as REITs are listed and traded on major stock exchanges, they actually tend to be a little bit more liquid. Both types of funds pool the capital of numerous investors and both enable you to invest in real estate, generate dividends and sharing the capital appreciation of real estate without having to, to buy, manage or finance any properties specifically purchased by us. How are we supposed to work out how much of each asset we should buy? Herod, we've been advising clients now for well over 40 years and we know that successful investing is hard, it's difficult. Reaching your investment goals is not an easy task because financial markets are complicated and also unpredictable. We firmly believe there are three basic principles we should all follow. We should spend time in the market rather than trying to time the market. We need to get our balance right and we don't believe we should follow the herd and put all our faith in star funds or in fact, star fund managers. Now, what I mean by getting the balance right is typically, around the world, investors tend to have too much exposure to their own markets. Of course, the market you know best is the easiest to invest in. For example, Brits tend to hold too many UK-based investments. Statistics show that if you have a well-diversified portfolio of investments, you will usually achieve better returns. Different asset classes or regions will perform differently and often significantly vary year to year. The diversification that comes with this varied performance can help reduce the risk of all your assets falling at the same time. There have been lots of headlines about bear markets. What does that mean? Unfortunately, Howard, the, uh, the, the primary function of financial journalism at the moment seems to be to terrify us out of ever achieving our financial goals by shrieking about market volatility and bear markets. Officially, a bear market is defined as a market which closes 20% below its January all-time high. Lots of our listeners have experienced numerous investment market corrections over the years, and this one... Um, like all of them, I suppose, in principle, is no different to the rest. Every market decline of this magnitude has its own unique precipitating causes. I think it's fair to say the current episode is a response to two principal issues. Severe inflation and the extent to which economies might be driven into recession by central banks' belated efforts to root out the inflation problem. Russia's war on Ukraine and the supply chain issues are contributing to those problems, but investment markets see the recession versus inflation battle as the main event. While potential returns can be very enticing, as we've recently seen, markets can fall as well as rise. How can we manage investment risk? Uh, investors, to, uh, to, investors need to go back to basics, really, to reduce risk. The first requirement must be to actually understand what risk means to you. The difference between risk and volatility is very important. If you're unable to cope with the fact that at times your investment portfolio will fall in value, you should leave your money in cash, sitting in the bank maybe. Even if inflation is eroding its true value and your spending power as we all appreciate. The more sensible approach to reduce risk is to create a diversified portfolio that is appropriate for you. 
with all the uncertainty we're now seeing in the world, diversification is even more important than ever. Diversification gives your portfolio the chance to produce positive returns whilst reducing its vulnerability to any single underperforming asset or area. Your financial planning needs to have a long-term strategic asset allocation plan and it should be specifically designed around your circumstances, your needs and your risk profile. From a diversification perspective, you need to spread your investment capital between different asset classes such as equities, bonds, real assets, property and cash. You need to consider the geographical diversification of your portfolio and your exposure to specific sectors and over the last few years, It's also been especially important to also consider currency diversification within investment portfolios. If our listeners established a portfolio when they were in the UK, do they need to review it now they're living in France? Um, I suppose the most important rule of investing must be your investment portfolio needs to be specifically designed around your personal objectives, circumstances, time horizons and risk profile, as we've said many, many times before. Now, a UK-centric investment portfolio needs to evolve because your circumstances have. During our recent seminars, we highlighted the situation of a new client who recently became a French resident. She had a well-managed UK investment portfolio that that had evolved over the past 20 years or so, and it continually delivered her a net 5% investment return, which for a low-medium risk portfolio has been a great consistent return. As you can imagine, she was very happy and also very comfortable with her UK investment manager. But due to the loss of passporting, thanks very much Brexit, they are no longer able to advise her or manage her portfolio. Now they tried to, they'd met her when she returned to the UK and pretended she was still a UK resident, but that had backfired because they continued to manage her portfolio as they had while she was still a UK resident. As a result of their actions, they created her a French tax and social liability, which was not something that they ever did in the UK for obvious reasons. Now, this threw her investment managers or their investment managers, um, especially their compliance department, into a complete flat spin, which resulted then in the compliance team forcing the investment managers to resign because they're just not appropriate for her current situation. Now, if you've moved to France you're thinking of moving to France, or you moved a while ago and you still have very UK-centric assets, you will really benefit from understanding if those arrangements are adversely affecting you or if they might be in the future. If you'd like to discuss your investment strategy or your wider financial planning arrangements, um, as a Riviera Radio listener, you can enjoy a complimentary initial discussion or an assessment with a Blevins Franks partner. To arrange a call or a face-to-face meeting, Contact our French office by calling 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. Alternatively, you can call our Monaco office, and the number here is 9777-5574. That's 9777-5574. And as we say every week, if you prefer, you can find out more about Blevins Franks or arrange to meet with a Blevins Franks partner by simply visiting our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. I guess in these turbulent times, knowing about the basics facts is basic. Absolutely. You said it perfectly, Howard. 
The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or Riviera at BlevinsFranks.com. Are you a new resident in France and looking for financial advice? You need to understand how the French tax and succession regime affects you and the opportunities to protect your wealth. Blevins Franks has been providing effective tax, estate planning, investment and pension solutions to British expatriates for decades. Our local advisors have a wealth of experience in France. To benefit from their expertise, contact Blevins Franks on 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com. 